Welcome to Who's Your Mother podcast, where we discover who we are as souls and mothers through Reiki, spirituality, and healing. Hi, I'm Carolina, your host and Reiki master. I'm so very excited you're here today, so let's get started. Welcome to Who's Your Mother podcast. Hi, I'm Carolina, your Reiki master and host, and today we have a very special guest, but before I introduce her, let's take some few deep breaths together. Breathe in through your nose. Let that breath go over your head, down your spine, into your pelvis, into your womb. Hold it there, two, three, four, in, exhale. Wow, that was powerful. So today I have an amazing human, a person that has extraordinary strength, a person that deserves all the amazing things in life. Her name is Alexis East, and she is, amongst many things, she is a medium, a professional Reiki practitioner, and she is daughter, <laughs> friend, um, and you have been an extraordinary, influence, an extraordinary influence on my life and what resilience looks like and what trusting yourself ultimately looks like. You've been a deep inspiration for my path over the past year. And I can't thank you enough for that positive influence. I don't think you know what you've done for me, Um, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, So Alexis, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. Thank you for having me, Carolina. I am Alexis. As you said, I am a Reiki practitioner. I actually recently got my Reiki master, but still kind of practicing. Yeah. Still practicing. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Still practicing with it before, you know, really putting it out uh, as an offering out there, but practicing. And I am also a psychic medium and a soon to be mama. I love that. Um, So what I want, what I, when I think of you is when I think about your, when I think of you, a couple of things come to mind was the first thing is, is a person that knows their truth. And that is not always something that people know. They don't know themselves well enough or are in tuned or aware of patterns or why things are happening or emotions that are happening so that they know that maybe they're out of alignment or the path that they're on is not. Can you, can we talk about how did you discover your truth? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because, you know, as I was kind of reading through these questions, I was thinking to myself, a big lesson that I've learned in the past year is how our truth isn't always one thing. And I think sometimes we can also get caught up on that. So I guess I've been learning that my truth is multiple things, just as you know, there's the sayings out there that like, we are not one thing, we are all things. And really, I'm learning to embrace that truth for what it is in the moment, and also embracing that it's ever changing, Um, which before this year change has been very difficult for me. And it still is, but it's something I'm trying to work with and begin to embrace. But back to kind of the original question, how did I find my my truth? Uh, pertaining to Reiki and mediumship, um, I found that truth by slowing down. Um, I think that was a huge thing for me is slowing down and starting to listen to myself. I'm also, um, I would call myself a recovering people pleaser, as I'm sure many of us are in this field of work. So um, I was always kind of helping others and doing for other people and maybe not even doing for them, but I thought that I was just to be making them happy. And it wasn't until the pandemic started that I really started going inward more and listening to what have what has always lit me up. So once I started listening to that, I just began following it. And it kind of just continued to lead me to all these experiences. Um, the first one being trying Reiki for the first time with you. Oh, and wow. I forgot about um, that. Yeah, you know, Reiki had been on my radar for like a year prior to that. And I was really interested into what like what it was, but I was too scared to do it. And it wasn't until 
again, the pandemic hit. And I was like, as we all were like really going through these dark nights of the soul, working through a lot of things. But I was like, you know what? I think it's time. And once I did that Reiki session with you, um, you know, I've, I've explained this to you many times too. It's the first time that I felt back truly in touch and in tune with like who I believe I am as a person. Um, and that connection was lost for me for a very long time. I would say once I started freshman year of high school, so maybe 14, um, is what I used to say, but I think it was earlier than that. Like I, you know, further back into my childhood that I kind of lost this sense of who I am, or at least showing it to the world world and embracing it. So after I had that experience, I was like, this is what I'm meant to do. Like I've always wanted to help people. I've always had this admiration for the spiritual and energy side of things. And I can't explain it more than that. It was just this feeling inside of me that I was like, this is what I need to be doing. So again, I listened to that. I texted you actually. And I was like, Hey, I don't know how to explain this, but I just know I need to learn Reiki. How do I go about learning it? And you're like, actually, I can teach you. So that's what kind of led me there. And then I learned Reiki, Reiki with you, Holy Fire 2, right? Three. Three. Thank you. Look, my pregnancy brain. Um, and Reiki also really opened up my medium abilities as well. Um, I think once you start working with energy in general and bringing that awareness, it just kind of accelerated everything on the, the mediumship side of things. So I really just began working with both. Um, you know, I'd incorporate the medium portion into my Reiki sessions and, you know, I guess just like I said, like finding my truth is it's still happening today and it's still ever changing. I think that's a really beautiful thing that I'm learning. I think, I think that there is a, there is, there's a couple key things in there that I want to highlight is that there was an inner knowing, but you also honored it. So like the inner knowing doesn't necessarily have to be an audible voice and it doesn't have to always be like very obvious. It can be, um, just, a and this internal tug or feeling that's perpetually coming back and back and back. Those mm-hmm. are the things that, um, I'll use the words that everyone can understand either God, your higher self source your intuition, which are all connected are nudging you for a reason. They're trying to get you to go in that direction. Um, so, um, I, what I particularly remember was you were a teacher and you were at your first job and, um, I'll share a little bit of story of how you impacted me in the, like the most significant way was you were a teacher Um, and you were not aligning with that job anymore. And you were having significant difficulties in that through the pandemic. And you kept having even physical effects of that, of that Mm -hmm. job. And eventually you left and you made the bold choice and you drove to California and you moved to California. (laughs) Then also what happened was another Reiki student of mine also quit her job in education within weeks of each other. And I went to Kansas city because I had gotten out of debt and we wanted to celebrate. This was like Easter weekend or around Easter weekend. Or, and I remember like you were leaving, you were leaving the area. And, um, and then this other um, important soul who was also in education and also had lived because you didn't live in Omaha. You had lived in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. She also had lived in Lincoln and said, I'm quitting her, my job. And I just remember <laughs> standing in front of Lego land. <laughs> I looked at Ryan and he goes, why are you crying? And I said, why are these students of mine doing the thing that I need to do? And I am not putting myself in a position to be as strong as them and to do what they are doing. And he goes, what are they doing? He goes, and then I looked at him, I need to quit my corporate job. Mm. And I said, but more so I need to bet on myself. 
And I said, that was the number one thing was you knew that that job was not working for you. And that career path was not for you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'm done. And it, you threw caution to the wind and you took the risk, but you betted on yourself and you just knew that your truth was not it. So a lot of also discovering your truth is understanding that it's messy. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's risk-taking. Sometimes it's, it can hurt people. Like, you know, people could be disappointed or because maybe they are not like you had a very, what you did the thing you did to mm-hmm. societal status. You went to school, you graduated, you had done all of the things you had even applied to graduate school. And <laughs> I forgot yeah, about that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you had done. And I kept asking, I was like, are you sure? Like you have a lot of things going on. Are you sure that this is something you want to do? And then you're like, no, but I do want to move to California. This felt you went to California, mm-hmm. came back and you felt, you said it felt like home. Yeah. And I said, then go. And then like, and then, but when the second person quit and it was because of you. And I was like, if Alexis can do this and she can leave the entire state and you left very quickly within a matter of weeks. Yeah. Um, it was, was kind like, of one what? of those things I saw. I was like, if I don't do this now, I'm going to talk myself out of it. So I was like, we're doing it. <laughs> so you moved from Nebraska to California and you made it work like, and you're still there and it's been a year. It's been a yeah. year, right? Yeah. It's yep. April 4th was a year. So it's crazy. Yeah. And it's crazy too, again, like just how much change happens. And I do like that you bring this up because pain and disappointment and hurt can be a part, a huge part of finding your truth. And a lot of times it's for the people around you that you're also making this big change with that are in your life. Like me picking up my life, quitting a job that I was in a contract with and moving to California hurt a lot of people at my job. It hurt my fiance, but ultimately it was the first time in my life that I was doing something for me and me alone. And I think that that also just lit me up from the inside out because I was like, so firm in this choice. I had so many people trying to talk me out of it, um, more on the work side of things than it was like my fiance or family. They were actually very supportive because they, they saw this huge shift inside of me also from going to like, honestly depressed and panic attacks, panic attacks, strung out. Yeah. Panic attacks. I remember yeah. like, I had to, I remember you called me, you're like, I walked in for five minutes and I had to leave. And they said, yeah, I got home. sent. Yeah. I got sent home. Um, it wasn't a good, a good thing. But I think that's another part of your truth too. Again, just really tuning in and listening to what is feeling good and what is working and what's not. And then evaluating that and being able to make a decision Uh, because it's tough and it's scary. Change is hard, but it is um, scary. I also know um, this is going to be quite the opposite. In my corporate experience, I was in pharmaceutical manufacturing and I've worked mm -hmm. for big pharma in, in, different, I said several different states. I almost said several, no, in two different states. It was in Florida and Nebraska, but multiple plants. And what I knew there is that it's very safe to stay for 30 or even 40 years. I saw men and women stay in the same positions, or they might move around from one department to another, but they started there after high school or first Mm -hmm. job in college. And they stayed there because it paid well and it was safe, but it sucked the soul out of so many people. There was just like emptiness in their eyes. Mm-hmm. And what is safe for other people or what other people deem as stable and secure, be wary of those words and what other people project for it to be safe. Like corporate's not the same anymore. Having a corporate job is, you know, not mm-hmm. safe. Like that's why we had the great resignation of 2021. But like, so deciding on what is safe and stable for you is only can you can decide that because you're the one that's in your head every single day. And so change, those people were scared of change. When I would have the conversation, they're like, why don't you just stay? You're really good. You're liked here. Especially I left, I left the job I had been at for five years after Ollie was born. And I was only there for like five weeks. 
um, after I had returned and I couldn't tolerate it anymore. Mm -hmm. And so change may be hard and scary, but what forces me to change sometimes is the fear of staying. Yes. The fear of, I know how quite honestly shitty I'm feeling right now. If I stay, is this how I'm going to feel the rest of my life? I remember I actually was living in Lincoln, like you said, and I worked in Omaha. So I had an hour commute to and from work every day. And sometimes I would pass the same cars, you know, Nebraska is not that, yeah. that large, <laughs> but like sometimes I would, cause I'm leaving at the same time every day, I would see like the same couple cars and I would look at them driving to work. And I'm like, dude, I would have this thought, do you hate your life as much as I hate my life right now? And I like got covered and I just got covered and she'll say that. And I could cry because I was in such a different spot two years ago. And to like be asking that question on your way to work and your way home from work. And I would, I would see those cars and say that. And then I'd also say like, there's no way that this is how everybody can live their life. Not the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. I was like, not the way I'm supposed to live my life. Yeah. Yeah. I had that after Ollie was born the way, when I put him in daycare, I was like, this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not. And I used to do the opposite commute. So I used to work in Lincoln Mm-hmm. and lived in Omaha. Yep. So I know that drive on the interstate super well. I did it, you know, for five years. And, and I remember like postpartum when I did return those five weeks, it, it was, it was a dangerous time for me mentally. I was very mm-hmm. fragile. I was full of hate and resentment that I had to go back. And that stretch of interstate is so desolate at times. It's really Mm -hmm. scary. Um, and the tractor trailers and just all that. So like, yeah, sometimes it's good to be alone with your thoughts, but (laughs) when you're driving to a place that you're dreading Mm -hmm. is really, it's really quite, um, crazy. So with, so just to recap, so discovering, so as, as we said, so discovering your truth is about, really just honoring that inner voice. But to do that, the steps you need to take are going to be unique to you. But some common things are learning to quiet your mind. How you can do that is movement of your body. So like Mm -hmm. walking or working out. Sometimes people who move their bodies through maybe chores that are like folding clothes, doing the vacuuming, that actually those things actually calm your body to the point where you're able to listen a little bit better. More traditional ways are you can get a Reiki session. You can Mm -hmm. learn to meditate. You can learn a grounding practice. Some of that might be with breath work or actually putting your feet in the grass. A lot of people like to do, um, some people don't like the word rituals, but I like the word rituals. I like to do things also like, so if a person is routine, so mm-hmm. a takeaway, if you're listening and you you're wanting to like, so how can I ground on a more regular basis? If it is a climate that you can put your feet in the grass, a morning coffee that you do regardless, drink your coffee in the grass barefoot. Mm-hmm. Um, because the time that it makes you to drink that full cup of coffee, the body is going or tea, whatever your preference is, the body is going to ground naturally because you're in there. So between 15 and 20 minutes feet in the grass is a great way. If your kiddos are crazy and you don't know how to calm them down or get them outside, let them touch the sticks and the rocks. And that also is going to allow you, if you're not able to quiet your mind, but like just getting outside, observing birds. Um, I, um, there are just so many different ways to quiet your mind so you can get in touch. The whole point is not to quiet your mind. So you hear these, some people are like, Mm -hmm. what do you mean? So I can hear this, the dead people talking. No, 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 no. It's to hear yourself. And also to, we are so taught to be go, go, go. We don't even know what we're feeling, what emotion we're feeling. So we actually, this is a skill and a practice that has to be done repetitively. And when, and when you think you're not doing it right, you are, it's just a matter of time and awareness. What are you feeling in your body? Where are you feeling that tingle? Are you feeling warmth? Where if you, and then that just compounds. Okay. So when you're driving and you're having a thought and you see a hawk, there could be like a pattern. I see a lot of hawks or turkeys. I see a lot of turkeys. So, um, 
what are those things for you? And then just start exploring, start Googling. And also then like, do I like this or don't I, do I don't yeah. like this? Is my body backing away or is it inclined? Yep. Is my body tense? That's a no versus loose and relaxed. Yeah. Um, just those things are also very important to understand to honor how you're feeling and understanding the physical and the emotional are actually also help a part of discovering your truth. Because mm-hmm. if your body, if you hear someone talking, whether it's on a TikTok or a podcast, or even with a friend, your body will tell you and will light up. Cause sometimes we hear things you're like, Whoa, that's my truth. Like those are words to live light or like yes. a perspective shift or mindset um, like a different point of view that maybe you saw something and you're like mind blown. Those are also examples of like, pay attention to your body. Cause that's like, those are heightened things. Everything doesn't have to be heightened, but um, those are just some examples of also discovering your truth. It can just come in different ways for me, for discovering my truth. Like you said, it's always changing and it's important mm-hmm. to check in maybe on your core beliefs. Sometimes you know, when, when I've had it, this past year has almost been feel like a dark night of the soul for me in a lot of different ways, but, um, checking in on like, what are my motivations to do things? Mm-hmm. What I are my intentions? From PTSD doing this? a lot and being bitter. And the, I was living by somebody else's values. Yeah. And, and like, so it, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but it's almost like you said again, making, it's like really reeling things back in a lot of times to yourself, reconnecting with yourself and your body, because that go, 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 we're taught to almost live outside of us and not inside of us. And then that leads to you, like, inevitably, almost sometimes listening to the people around you, and what's making them happy and their morals, and you think, okay, maybe I need to be doing that, and you start doing that, and that doesn't work, like you're saying, it's, it's just crazy. I think another thing I wanted to say, too, is consumption, Oh. Being mindful of what you're yes. consuming and how much you consume. Um, I think for me, that was another huge thing that helped me uh, kind of limiting, you know, TV time or even uh, music and what I was watching or listening to. Um, you go, it goes along with getting outside too, I think. But uh, there's just so many aspects of tuning in and getting back in align with who you are and yourself and your truth. I, I had to, I think after it was actually on our Thanksgiving trip, we were visiting family and I had like almost an emotional breakdown on that trip. And I said, something started and it continued probably all the way through March. And it was like this deepest, darkest, wild night the darkness of the soul is what they call it. So basically during that time, there there's there's light and there's darkness just like Mm -hmm. you know there's good and there's evil and basically the shadow part of you was predominant in my life so it wasn't liking who I was I was being mean to my husband I was Mm -hmm. being mean to my son and I was very negative and was very bitter and I was angry probably most of the time you're being mean to yourself too I'm sure it's I yeah so I was like what am I doing and a lot of things were forced. So mm-hmm. what, and I was exhausted. I was burnt out multiple times, just over and over again, working so much. And then I said, what exactly is that I am chasing? I wrote that down because sometimes I like to use both sides of the brain and what, um, I had a mass exodus of friends mm-hmm. and, um, it was like, I mean, it was fast and it was, all at once over a course of like two month period. And I felt rejected. Why do mm-hmm. I feel? And then that just came down to what, what ultimately was this rooted in? And it was my self-worth. Mm-hmm. And it was, I went and got a Reiki session by my Reiki master who helped me conceive Ollie. And she said, where are you sourcing your worth from? <laughs> I said, Oh Jesus, this is a hard one. (laughs) And she said, you should be sourcing all of your love and your worth from within. Mm -hmm. And I said, all right, Gandhi, 
what is that? How do you do that? How's the how? She goes, I can't. How I source, she goes, but all of, and I had been sourcing a lot of my worth for my business, which is not meant to be. Um, So discovering my truth of like, okay, I might have been part of reason why some of these friendships ended, but I didn't know. And Mm -hmm. um, so I had to forgive myself. So discovering my truth, but at the core of it was, I got, I reconnected to what it is that I really wanted. I wanted to work an honorable business. I wanted to be with my family. I wanted to love Ollie and Ryan well, and I wanted to experience more joy. Mm-hmm. And so then I reevaluated and mm-hmm. I made, I'm always pretty extreme. And um, <laughs> I made drastic changes to my business. I made drastic mm-hmm. changes to my life. I took a break from social media. Um, and yeah, we, we transform. So like your discovering of your truth is also, like you said, it's an ongoing thing. It's cyclical, like all things in life. It's cyclical. Um, you know, I love that we're getting into, to the dark nights of the soul and that there's light and dark because again, with the go, 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 and especially social media today, I think everything's always highlighted when things are good, right. And going great. And you know, I'm also sitting here thinking like my business and the way things have gone, even this year, my business and life, it's all cyclical. There's times where it's like thriving and doing amazing. And I couldn't be happier. And then business and life both go through dark nights of the souls, you know, and I think owning your own business also forces you to go through these cycles faster in a way too, because you have to notice them for yourself and your business. It's not just one or the other. And you know, I keep talking about change today for some reason and embracing it's it. It's meant to be spoken about. It is. Press the, press. Um, <laughs> the, the hard thing, I think, at least for me, I can't say I'm speaking for everybody, but I would, I'm willing to bet people struggle, other people struggle with this is that it's hard to enter those dark times. And I am similar to, I'm kind of dramatic. And <laughs> when I enter a dark time, um, or I just feel intensely, maybe like when I'm really happy, I am like, I'm so in tune with that. And I feel it so strongly. And then same thing when the darkness comes, I'm like, oh my God, I'm never going to be out of this. And that's always kind of my first response. And that's what I'm working on, whether it's life, business, personal, love life, whatever. My first response is this is, this is wrong and I want to fix it. And I've had to really learn that it doesn't always need fixing that sometimes it's part of that cycle where you have to sit in the darkness and work through that shadow and what's not working and feel those low lows. And, you know, it sounds so cliche, but it's the truth. And it's every time after those lowest of lows that you spring back up and experience a higher high. So I spent a lot of time talking with one of my good girlfriends out here too. Um, She's actually just moved back to Nebraska also, but talking about how we wish there was more conversation about the dark times and what we can do to work through those and embrace them rather than work against them. Um, you know, I see so often with friends and family, myself too, doing the same thing. Um, and it's hard to watch because you see somebody going through a dark time and they're just fighting it and fighting it or aiding with drugs and alcohol to stop that feeling of sadness. But I'm like, I just want you to embrace it instead of run from it but I do the same thing sometimes. So it's like, you know, I think that as a society and what I have learned, especially in when I do Reiki healing and coaching, um, privately one-on-one and, or in a group program is that we're not given the tools, not in school, not mm-hmm. in our homes, like to, and to recognize, um, if the, so to recognize, okay, what am I feeling? Is this feeling mine? Mm-hmm. Um, where is this coming from? Why am I feeling this way? So that you can work through that process and then decide if this is my feeling, what do I need to do with it? Am I mm-hmm. holding on to it? What's the story with it? Or do I need to release it? And mm-hmm. choosing not to own the emotion. But um, I think somewhere along the line, we're just taught consistently to shut up, stop feeling like it might come up but we turn it off and then we stop. Mm -hmm. So like the frequency, like the whole wave of the emotion, right. is like 
90 seconds, right? Yep. So if we don't feel the whole extent and wave of the, of the emotion, it's stunted. So then what happens is it gets stuck. So then it builds and accumulates in our physical tissue and our, in our energetic field. And then that's the one day that the, maybe a small thing happens, but then it debilitates us and it causes like this larger reaction mm-hmm. in our bodies in a panic attack, or maybe we have a meltdown or we explode yelling, whatever it may be, but we just, a lot of people lack the awareness or and connection to their body to understand what they're feeling and then what to do the next steps that are to move through to release that emotion. Mm-hmm. And a lot okay. of people absorb emotions of others because there's a crazy amount of empaths now that are activated that are absorbing emotion and carrying that energy that is mm-hmm. not their, their burden to bear. Yeah. And then releasing that on other people. and themselves because they're feeling their emotions plus other people's and uh another interesting thing I think too is even the way we speak about anger and rage um because when we think about it those are emotions too that we need to feel and need to let out but often don't because society labels them as scary or intimidating or bad and Sometimes I just think the world might be better if we had like a scream day where we all just got in our cars and screamed for however long we need to, because I know there's a lot of people walking around with a lot of anger too, that they don't get to feel or let out. And we know ourselves that anger is a tough feeling. So thinking about carrying that around, it's just, you know, it makes me sad that that's the case, but also very happy that these conversations are being had and that it seems like as a collective, everybody's becoming more aware. Yeah. I I feel like there's, there's this, this next wave of people that are, there was like this huge surge of people that were awakened like in December of 2021, was it? And then, or 2020, I don't remember when the great awakening was or the it was that song that was really popular too. Mm-hmm. The Age of Aquarius. Yeah, I can't remember that it all runs together, but I feel like recently, just from interacting on TikTok and like the women I've got to know that are going through fertility and pregnancy and postpartum, they're becoming like the there's like this wave of women specifically who are becoming mothers are being prepared. So either they're currently in awakening and it's going deeper. So they're having like a reawakening and, um, there's so many labels and then, um, or they're starting their spiritual journey. And, um, I think a reawakening is just another name for darkness of the soul. Like what is mm-hmm. it that you're experiencing that is again, shadow. And that's why we call it shadow work is like, what are the triggers that you're hurting from? What are the things you would go to therapy for? And I'm always a huge component of finding a good therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that there are a lot of other things you can do in addition to the therapy that make, um, make it super powerful. Like I've gotten trauma massages done at the mm-hmm. same time I'm doing not the same time, but like in a court, like within the same week or the week after where I've done the therapy session and then I'll go get like a trauma massage and then it releases it for my muscles. Like that's a thing. And I didn't know it was a mm-hmm. thing until I met that lady. Um, but like the, just having an additional modality in, in addition to whatever you're doing. So some people, you made a shadow work journal that was really, um, powerful. You want to talk about that? Cause you've had your own journey with shadow work and we've talked a lot about it issues, but yeah. like, you want to talk about the creation of your shadow work journal? Yeah. So a big part, a big reason what also kind of launched me into moving to California is in October of 2020, I started a shadow work journal for the first time. And I was following a woman from TikTok that was doing like an October shadow work prompt every day. And I was doing those prompts. Um, almost every day. And if I forgot some days, you know, I would do two or three in one day, sometimes like just trying my best. And I remember at the time doing that, I was like, 
you know, like this is all things I've talked about in therapy before. Like this is all stuff I feel like I've already, you know, like I've already done all this. I don't know how much this is helping. And I, I remember having those conscious thoughts during the journal. And then March of 2021 rolled around. This is when I went to take a trip to California to visit my friend out here. And I brought that journal with me because for some reason I wanted, I felt like I wanted to read it when I was there. Um, you know, it was like the first week off I'd had in a long time. I was actually getting away. I was going to the ocean. Um, I'm a water sign. So I like want to be by water all the time. <laughs> so I was just, I was looking forward to it. And I read it one night and I actually ended up reading it out loud to my friend I was visiting. And I really feel like this reading that journal is what prompted me to make all these life changes because I read that journal and my right hand moved to my chest. Um, my friend was taking pictures. It was like an extremely like what probably one of the most spiritually intuned experiences I've had in my life was reading that out loud. My hand moved to my chest. I physically could not remove it from my chest until I was completely done reading the journal. Like it was stuck there radiating heat. And I heard myself getting louder in each journal prompt because I was sitting there talking about the things that have upset me or hurt me or wrong, like felt like I had been wronged in life. And then I was forgiving those people, forgiving myself. And then it kind of morphed into what do I deserve? What do I want? And each page, you know, the first time it was like this really long, like this is all everything I deserve. And then each time it got more and more clear. And, you know, one of the biggest things that I remember is like, I deserve to have my own business, helping people heal through Reiki and mediumship and making money from it, which is something I'd never told myself before, let alone say it out loud. And I was shocked when I reread this too, because I remember sitting there thinking how much I didn't think that journaling was helping. But then I was truly amazed at almost my own wisdom, reading it back. I was like, I can't believe I wrote this. Um, some of the things that I was saying, I do believe I channel through writing too. So I was like, maybe it was not all me. But after I finished reading that book, I also saw into like the Akashic Record that night, um, saw my life, saw my parents' life, saw my brother's life saw my friend's life that was with me. Um, I was hearing, I haven't thought about this in a while. So thank you for al allowing me to share this again. Um, I was hearing like angelic music, like harps playing and um, oh gosh, I could cry. I could feel my spirit guide so heavily. And they were clasping their hands because I, I get visuals too. And they were going like this and they kept saying, rejoice, rejoice. We've been waiting for this moment. Rejoice was not a word that I used often up to this point, if ever in my life. My friend that was sitting there is also, you know, she's a, she's capable of picking up on energies. She was sitting there. I was not telling her anything that was going on inside of me um, with the moment with the spirit guides and whatnot. But she sat there in her eyes and she clapped her hands together just like this. And she said, rejoice. And I was like, oh, my God, like. So there was, there was just like evidence. I love that with, with when mediums are coming into their power and they're starting to build associations between symbols and starting mm -hmm. to get the communication channels established with the angels and guides and things like that. And then you get like a physical 3d world of validation. You're like, mm -hmm. okay, I get it now. Like, or yes. like this is MRFing real. Yeah. Like, I just, all of it was so crazy. And then I, I looked at her and I was like, told her what was going on and I said I cannot go it, this was the first day of my trip in California by the way I landed on the plane got a butterfly tattoo right after getting off the airplane <laughs> which was also symbolic because the butterfly represents like transformation and growth and then um I had this happen like during the night and I was like first day in California I was like I cannot go back to my job and pretend to be happy anymore and so I was like, I'll sleep on it. But the next morning I called my fiance because he, my laptop was back home. And then I put my letter of resignation in that next morning, but I created a shadow work journal because it helped me so much. Um, and it, I wanted to create it for the same reasons that maybe people don't realize how much journaling can help you heal, um, specifically when you go back and reread it. Um, 
So yes, I did create a shadow Nobody work journal. Talks about that. Nobody yeah. like, journal, but they never mm-hmm. recommend to reread it. I, yes. I think that that's amazing. Like I, I'll have to, I haven't even read, reread any of my journal entries. I just leave it. Mm-hmm. It's very, like I said, I think you, you might have a similar experience where you go back and reread and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I was capable of this wisdom. And I think that's almost an injustice that we don't go back more often and reread it because it's like, oh, wow. Um, all the answers are right here. <laughs> you know, that everybody's yeah. always saying it's within you. And then a lot, at least for me, it comes out in writing a lot. So um, I do have that journal. It's currently on Etsy as a digital download. I do have plans for the future. I want to make it like a physical book because I think there's so much power in having. Oh, I can help you do that. You just do Amazon KB. Is it K? Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's what I was originally doing, but I have. Right on demand, baby. It's the Mm -hmm. new passive income. It is. So I love that. I'm, I want, so I'll make sure I link that so everyone can have it. So let's get to the nitty gritty. Let's chat about your pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. How far along are you? What are you expecting? Are you, how are, how are you connected to this baby? Are you feel this soul? What's going on? Cause we know you have all the mystical powers. Yes. So gosh, this has been a wild, beautiful, terrifying ride. Uh, I am currently 22 weeks pregnant. So, um, I'm pregnant with a little baby boy, uh, he, or whatever he wants to be. Or whatever he wants to be. Yes, Yes, I know. Um, But he is due in August. And um, it's funny. I just almost don't even know where to start with this. But I guess I almost want to rewind first and talk about womb healing and how important I do believe that that is. Guys, we didn't talk about womb healing at all in this podcast. Yeah. Um, Talk about Reiki in general. Womb healing, though. Okay. Womb healing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I realized how important it was until maybe actually getting pregnant. Um, I knew it was important beforehand. Um, you and I had actually done a lot of womb healing sessions. Um, right. I specifically had a lot of sexual assault uh, history. And so I was holding on to a lot there. Um, one of the biggest things I'll share from us is I was having very intense cramping and like pains in my lower abdomen, like ovary area. And I had gone to doctors, I had got ultrasounds, like all the things, nothing was wrong medically. But after we did our first intensive womb healing session, um, I remember that session, I literally think I got up to pee every like five to 10 minutes. And I did not drink enough water to be doing that that day. Um, so it was very cleansing and that pain completely went away after our first session. I never had it again. So I, I do think that like, for me, spoke testament of how much we hold on to physically, or at least how much I was holding on to physically in my sacral chakra. And there's other things that I believe correlate to your sacral chakra that I was holding on to that were other than sexual assault. Um, but that one was a huge one. And for listeners, let's give a little education. So your sacral chakra is located below your navel and above the tip of your, like the very bottom of your tailbone. And that chakra is in charge of creativity, sexuality, sensuality, um, pleasure, feelings, and most importantly, your emotional security. Um, so all of those things matter, but also all of those things, um, is makes up a sense of who you are and your soul. So men and women both have wombs, energetic Mm -hmm. wombs. Um, so this is your reproductive organs, your kidneys, um, your lower back and things that are often felt there are, um, emotions that I find are fear, uh, resentment, guilt, blame, shame, guilt, um, anger, um, neglect, feelings of abandonment, feeling of being unseen and unheard, mm-hmm. um, abandonment, if I didn't mention that already. So there's a lot that goes into the sacral chakra, just in case anyone's listening and they don't know what that is. 
your womb is not just your reproductive organs. It's an energetic mm -hmm. space as well. And each of your chakras have a purpose and are in charge or represent certain things per chakra and all have a different color just to give just a blank statement, but yes. womb healing, um, is, can be done a lot of different ways. How we did it was we applied Reiki. We applied Reiki essentially just to that. We did a whole Reiki session, but particularly just focus on the womb mm -hmm. and working through and holding that space. So whatever emotions are blocked within there are released. Mm -hmm. Um, that's really, um, just how I do Reiki womb healing. Um, but just to give a little bit of background, cause a lot of listeners, a lot of the word womb is not really used outside of pregnancy. And even then, like they mm -hmm. might say belly or uterus, they may not say like they womb, womb, space. Yeah. womb space or womb healing or womb wellness. So there's just a lot to, um, that could be there. I share that story with you as a person that's overcome sexual assault, we have shared our experiences with each other. Mm -hmm. And um, thank you for sharing that experience. I know that that's very, um, it's just really important to honor every time that we do speak about that and over any, any wound that has come to the womb to honor that. So sorry, I didn't I mean to interrupt you. No. I, wanted, I want to interject that because I'm finding that there is just not there's not enough knowledge and there's an awareness, um, um, uh, about what womb is, where is it? Do men have it? Yes, they do. Yeah. Is it only women? No, everyone has a womb, but the emotional security is probably the number one thing that I help heal. And what does that yeah. look like? It's feeling, um, that breakdown is how do you, and this leads to so many things, um, it disrupts your ability to conceive. It disrupts your ability to connect with your soul. It disrupts your ability to birth like new goals into the world is mm -hmm. essentially your womb is your portal to the universe and your portal of creation. So whether you're creating a baby or you're creating another thing or a business, or maybe you're going to school or maybe a new relationship or maybe improving mm -hmm. your relationship all of those things go back to the womb. Um, and emotional security is about feeling safe enough within yourself to feel all of your emotions the full way, mm -hmm. feeling safe enough to express your relationships in your, to your partner, to your spouse, to your friends. And if, and then do you feel threatened and unsafe to, mm -hmm be yourself or to fully let to be your fun, energetic, goofy self in. And if you're not, then there's actions that need to be taken, um, yeah. boundaries, elimination of relationships, potentially, um, hard conversations, um, so that you can feel safe. And that looks different for every situation, every situation and every person a hundred percent, but I do love that you bring up men have this space too, because they do. And I think it gets overlooked, especially when using the word, the term womb. Um, it's just so powerful. I feel like that could be a whole nother podcast episode. Is it like, <laughs> I still have to about... record my episode. So I'll dive into it. On yeah, my episode. The, like the whole womb healing episode. Um, no, it is a beautiful thing. And I guess thing right now my brain goes to like, you think about pregnancy and you, we all start in a womb. So it's, a, again, the like the cycles, everything in life, it's always so connected. Um, but thank you for allowing me to share this story too. I wanted to say that and having a safe space for me to share it. But um, so womb healing was a big part of it. And actually um, our family didn't know this, but I'm assuming family and friends are going to listen to this episode once it's out there. But my fiance and I actually had tried other times for a baby before this time which we were actually not consciously trying um I remember it was right after certification mm -hmm. yeah and uh, that's uh, you know spirit babies are a whole nother <laughs> whole nother conversation because they kind of call at you at times like they will listen and and on your life and you know if you are if they can tell you're feeling ready I feel like their energy comes in and makes you want to be more ready so there were times um two times 
prior to this time that we actually were trying to get pregnant and it didn't work. Um, and I didn't like think too much about it. I was like, eh, like whatever, we're really young, um, whatever. But like, sometimes I would think we are really young. Why isn't this happening? Um, but I think looking back now, I do believe that my womb space and possibly even my fiance's neither were quite ready to hold that space um, and facilitate that creation. And I look at the last two years and how much healing I don't want to like just speak on his journey because it's his journey, but I know he's had a lot of healing and I know I've had a lot of healing specifically in that space. And I, for me, the emotional security and uh, I think even self-worth sometimes for me is lumped in down there. I know that's more solar plexus, but um, sometimes it, it gets lumped into that because that emotional security kind of creeps up and makes me self-doubt. So there was a lot to do with that. And I think it was just to a point where I feel like the healing was where it needed to be and everything was aligned at the right time um, for this to happen. And, you know, uh, again, speaking on all the, the change that we've been talking about with it not being planned. And I have learned that I like to have control because it's predictable and that change is hard. And that this is one of like the biggest changes in life um, is becoming parents. So. And you I, can't control how it's going to go. That was my yeah. biggest takeaway from birth was I can't, there is so much you can't control. And I mm -hmm. had everything on my birth plan not happen. Mm -hmm. And it's just understanding that you could wish for something and do all the classes, but it may not happen. You mm -hmm. just have no control because there's this whole other soul that needs to be accounted for and how they enter the world is going to be their part of their story and their truth. Right. It's it, yeah, it's crazy. I finding out at first I was shocked and then happy. And then I think terrified, um, went through a lot the first like 12 weeks, a lot of processing. And I don't think it really was until like the 14th week. Um, that I started feeling really more connected to the pregnancy. Uh, I also strongly believe I had an idea of what being pregnant was going to be like for me <laughs> and um, the way I was going to connect with this baby, being able to connect with spirit and that it was, my expectations were not there at all, which they normally aren't. <laughs> so I think that like deterred me more and I was really sad and down that I wasn't connecting with my baby in the way that I thought I was supposed to be. And I didn't feel good. I felt like crap the first 12 weeks. Um, was super nauseous, didn't want to eat. Like this wasn't a fun time um, until about week 14. And then I have connected with baby. It's interesting though, because when I work with other people, mediumists, like doing medium readings, I primarily work with clairsentience, claircognizance and um, clairaudience. So that's like claircognizance is just a clear knowing almost like you just know I'm trying to explain for listeners um, no no I yeah yeah clairsentience is just a clear feeling um and then clairaudience is hearing but it works for me very similar to claircognizance it's almost like somebody else is talking and thinking for me and I'm just saying I it. have that I'm clear audience and clear I, I am those are my primary clairsentience is like the third for mm -hmm. me in the, in that order. Yeah. When I, so, when I channel, yeah. With those, it, for me, especially when I first started, I was working more clairvoyantly, like seeing pictures and images in my head. And then it progressed to these three now. And I enjoy working in those three. It's a lot quicker. It's a lot more accurate for me. There's less guessing when you're working with clairvoyance, the way I describe it is getting pieces of a random puzzle like you're getting pictures and maybe small video, like almost video-like clips and trying to put them together to form a message. So like I said, I enjoy working in those three. I'm glad that I work that way. But with this baby, it's opposite. Um, it's mostly clairvoyantly that I can connect with him. Like he'll show me a lot of images um, and pictures and dreams. And so for a long time, I thought I wasn't connecting with him 
then it took a realization that, oh my God, I have been connecting with you this whole time. I just have been wanting it to be in a different way. So it's also like, so recognizing is that we need to get out of our own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think it's almost symbolic too, because having a kid, like we always, in life in general, we always have all these expectations, but especially when a kid is brought into it, we can't place those expectations on them because they're going to show up the way they're going to show up. And we have to be there to embrace that. So it's almost like, I was like, okay, that's my, one of my first lessons I'm learning <laughs> is embracing things for the way that they are. Um, Cause you're halfway through the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So now the next step is preparing for baby's birth. Have you thought about what you want for your birth yet? Yes. So I do have a doula. Uh, I have been Love seeing, that you. yeah. Um, that's another really crazy story. Um, oh, girlfriend, no. my, my birth doula left my birth. Oh, oh my gosh. Birth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mine's not Stories, crazy in that way. Let's just keep yours positive. We don't need yeah. to terrorize you. Let's no, keep mine positive. is pretty positive. I was looking for basically, like I was saying, I was kind of like down in the dumps and like feeling like I lost all my control when this pregnancy came about. And then one day I came to my realization where I'm like, I still have control over the things I have control over. I know the way I want to give birth. I know I want to doula. I had this thought, got on Instagram, a doula had followed my birth or my business account. And I'm like, that's weird. That felt like a sign. Like the, within the minute I had that thought, she followed me. So I reached out, we met and she's actually, we are actually doing like a business exchange now. So, um, because she's interested in my work. So it just like worked out perfectly because another you thing I train was, her. she could be your yeah. first student. We've been talking, we've got lots of ideas in the plan, in the like bank, but it just, we had this like instant connection. It was totally divinely guided. Like I just couldn't be more grateful for that, but I do have a doula. I have been seeing an OBGYN also. Um, I would love to do a home birth, but it's not in the works for this pregnancy. Um, I'm hoping down the road, if I have more pregnancies, if it's up to me, I will. Um, And babies that I would like to do a home birth, but luckily in California, we do have birthing centers here. I love that you're not in Nebraska for your birth um, because Nebraska is one of the most restrictive. I think Mm -hmm. it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's either Missouri or Mississippi. I think it's Mississippi that Nebraska and Mississippi are the two states in the entire country where you cannot have a birth where that can be attended by a medically trained midwife. And they closed the birthing center here that, and that I'm aware of that was standalone. There is a birthing center that's attached to a hospital. So I'm just glad that you're in another state where you have more birth choices. Yes. Yeah. And there are midwives here too. Um, My insurance doesn't cover that right now. So I'm not doing a midwife, but I was, I'm happy with the doula. And I'm also giving birth at a hospital that has a birthing center connected. So I'll be in the birthing center. Um, which is important to me. It's been interesting for sure. Being, being able to see both sides of things, starting out with like a traditional OBGYN and, um, just how dismissive they can be about questions. And, uh, this is not good. (laughs) So I am, I'm happy that things are going the way they are, but I have kind of also began the works of my birth plan also. Um, but I have been my template. Yes, please do. Um, I also all the questions to keeping, ask. keeping in mind that the way this baby wants to come in the world is just as important, if not more yes. important than my plan. I just, I always, um, the birth plan and I'll send you, I'll let you listen to the birth plan, the birth, the doula episode, know that you might poop. Um, mm-hmm. two is that these are the terms that I would like to birth with, but understand that medically you just don't know what's going to happen I also since you're so in tune with baby I would let baby know these are the things I'm wishing for and Mm -hmm. account for them since you're a medium that's like something I I do in my sessions preparing mom for baby in birth but since you're connected to your baby boy I would ask just like deliberately literally ask how is it that you want to come into the world and see Mm -hmm. what happens also, um, what I found is when I do pregnancy Reiki, um, and I connect the baby, what I have found in the past year is one specific baby said 
scanned my chakras and I scanned his chakras within the utero and wow. he told, and he and then he goes this chakra is only blocked and he was mirror in this particular instance he was mirroring um what the chakras were blocked with his mom and then wow. he presented this particular chakra um I forget I think it was um his heart chakra and he goes this will be the one that I will have to heal for the rest of my life because there's usually you have like a power strength or a mm-hmm. power chakra and then you probably have one you perpetually have to give a lot of attention to mm-hmm. um so like there's the yin and the yang so the light and the dark so like with him particularly was his heart chakra is like he said I'm going to need my mom to help me learn how to love with boundaries how to wow. love well but like so um and and then her throat chakra was like she didn't want to be a burden to other people. She didn't want to like bother other people. So it was a learning for her to have a voice, a strong voice to learn to advocate for him because she's going to need to be the speaking, mm-hmm. speak up about how he needs to be loved, how he yeah. needs to and be that protection until he can advocate for himself. So the it's crazy how those chakras are connected, but also like um, she went on to get certified in Reiki and she, he's now earth side and he's beautiful and strong mm-hmm. and amazing. So like, there's a lot of, you can do to understand like, um, on the spiritual end is like, get to know your baby while they're in the womb. So you mm-hmm. can anticipate or be more ready for, um, things that you need to change within yourself to be the parent that this baby will, will need. And regardless if you don't do that, because a lot of people that don't do the spiritual work before birth, and that's okay. Every, it, everything turns out the way it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, that 100% is true for me. But I, I mean, I believe it like your people have been getting pregnant for thousands of years and Reiki's only been around for a hundred. So like, I'm sure every, everything just turns out the way it's supposed to divinely yeah. guided. So, um, of course I lost my train of thought is that the, Oh, my mother-in-law gave me this piece of advice and it stuck with me. It was good though. Um, was it be an expert in your baby and your baby will show you what kind of parent you need to be. Wow. And she, she told me that when Ollie, I was deep in my postpartum, it was a crazy time. And can you say that one more time? I almost just want to hear it again. Sure. She said, be an expert in your baby and your baby will show you what kind of parent Mm -hmm. you need to be. And she said that to Ryan and to me, she goes, I said, I had never been around babies. So you have been (laughs) before and you're an exceptional like human being. You're super gifted with children. And you were a teacher. So you've been around children. I literally didn't know how to bathe Ollie. I had a postpartum doula show, doula show me how to bathe Ollie. I yeah. like, was like, I didn't know what to do. And I'm the youngest in my family. So I'm like, mm. you're like, um, I don't know. <laughs> you didn't know squats. Um, and like, I had taken the classes, but I'm like, oh. like, it's different than like a baby doll. Mm-hmm. And then like, a real child, a baby that you think you're going to freaking break. Mm -hmm. So like, um, so it was when she told me that, and it was a hundred percent true. So when I knew all I had to do was learn his cues, Mm -hmm. um, this means that this means this. And, um, it, it, I didn't need to be a perfect parent. I just needed to be an expert in Ollie and what his cues meant. And that still applies now. So I didn't need to be this style of parent or this or whatever. I kind of just naturally did what felt natural to me. Um, how many times can you say natural in a sentence? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out when natural. I was, <laughs> is natural. Um, when I went to get support from an international board certified lactation consultant, that's a mouthful. She goes, do you know what you're doing? I said, most days I don't. Um, and she goes, no, you're doing what we call attachment parenting. And I said, okay. And she's like, she gave me some authors to look up. And that's when I learned what naturally came into place was um, what we were doing. So, um, and if you want to look that up, you can Google it. I'm not going to go into that, but um, no, yeah. but yeah, the, the attachment styles are important for sure. 
Yes. Sometimes I wish that was like mandatory for all parents to like like, learn about. (laughs) Yeah. Because I didn't, there was so much trauma from not having attachment of people. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense to my parents and attachment Mm -hmm. to my siblings, because there wasn't the, the emotional capability and availability wasn't there. Yeah. So I, um, wish you the best of luck in wishing all of healing vibes for your birth and for a full-term happy, healthy, painless birth <laughs> and pregnancy. And you're such a joy to be around and where can people find and connect with you when you're, um, if they want to work with you? Yeah. So I am on Instagram. That's probably where I'm most active at Alexis East healing. Uh, I do have a podcast, let your growth flow. Um, couple meditations on YouTube. Everything can be found pretty much under Alexis East healing though. Um, shadow work journal is on Etsy, but we can link all that in the show notes. And I will say I've been taking a break since finding out I was pregnant. So within the next couple of weeks, yeah, just to be present. Um, so if you do want an appointment or anything with me, I'm just asking that people DM me right now for appointments instead of having an open schedule. But in the next couple of weeks, I do plan to get back to normal business. So I'm so excited for the <laughs> session. Thank you so much for your time. I love you. Thank you for sharing your story. You're an incredible soul. And we're so lucky to have heard all of your wise words today and hope you have a nice day. Thank you, Carolina. Thank you for having me too. All right. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye.